1: Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman, recording. On a Monday morning, the Sugar Bowl is in five days, somehow. Somehow that has happened. The, the holiday break really threw me for a loop, Ari. I have no idea what day of the week it is. Uh, I felt like the weekend was six days long, and I'm sure it was longer for you because you were out there gallivanting in, in Vegas and swimming, swimming in sportsbook pools. So it's, it's Monday, it's Monday, and the game is in five days.
2: Yeah, I uh, there's no clocks in Las Vegas, so right. I don't even. I thought the game was tonight. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm actually um, in New Orleans right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know much about uh, the way the schedule usually goes, but the fact that the season ended like on the twentieth, and the game is in ten days, I don't hate it. Like the new schedule, instead of yeah. like waiting six weeks or four weeks or three weeks. To, to play the game, I kind of like the idea of everybody enjoy their families, go out to Vegas, maybe get a little uh, craps in, you know, and the next thing you know, you don't have a lot of, a lot of time to wait for the game. But um, I think it's good, not a lot of big news uh, in terms of things that yep. could be scary about the game and, and the fact that we're, we're coming up on it and it seems like they're going to, you know, get this playoff going, I think is a pretty exciting um, thing. And, you know, you talk all year and spend all year discussing the positioning of Ohio State in, in that – National context of the sport, and you know, could they stack up with Clemson? Can they stack up with Alabama? Like, to me, and I know we've had this discussion before, but this is like the modern day Michigan game where this is the feeling you're supposed to have before the Michigan game the excitement, the energy, the um, just the idea that you're going to be able to get answers about your team that Ohio State really doesn't get that often. And unfortunately for this program, a lot of times they get their answer. If it's a bad answer, it means their season's over because they don't yeah. lose a lot in the regular season. So, you know, the fact that they're uh, two games away from potentially winning a national championship. We got Dabo running in his mouth. We got Ryan Day, locker room <laughs> videos.
1: Um, you know, we've got a lot going on, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, how, how was your holiday, Dollyby? Uneventful. Uh, stayed here in Columbus. We got like seven inches of snow or something like that, or five inches of snow. So uh, driving became a little bit perilous, so we just stayed here in, in Columbus. So I've been uh, just sitting here. I've been watching a lot of Clemson. Um, got a big film study coming later this week. Watched uh, – Four Clemson games, I think, and I rewatched the game from last year. So I feel like I know much more about Clemson than I did the last time we did this. Was that a
2: fumble or not, like, honestly?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. All, like, you forget. I, that, I think that's the fifth time I've watched that game. Fourth or fifth time I've watched that game. And even still, you're surprised by some of the things that happened. The fumble that was a fumble but wasn't called a fumble. Like, the, the crazy Garrett Wilson catch – early in the game like got reviewed but as they blew the whistle for the play to get reviewed like jk dobbins is bursting through the line and he looks like he's going to score and the play just gets whistled dead like there's a lot of things that happened in that game like, i forgot about that the yeah guys yeah there were slipping. eight different
2: plays that would have gone a different way ohio state might have won
1: yeah guys are slipping and sliding all over the place that's the one thing i'm thankful for this year is they're playing on turf in new orleans so we don't have to worry about guys just falling randomly throughout the game on the field cuz that like some of those slips and falls made pretty big differences in the game playing on that slick field in Arizona so I don't have to deal with that this year but no otherwise it was a it was my kind of uh holiday just sat in my office and watched football <laughs> for a couple of days it was nice
2: yeah yeah um uh, game week there it is it's it's time yeah. to go
1: um it's um it's a different kind of bowl week um uh, obviously cuz by if this were normal we I would be in New Orleans right now um, the media availabilities are all on Zoom. They're going to be on Monday and Tuesday, so we'll be getting some like sound bites, some more information about this game coming out in the next couple of days. But like Clemson is in Clemson. Ohio State is in Columbus. Ohio State's not leaving until Thursday night. Clemson will get to New Orleans on on Wednesday. So it's a, it's a different kind of bowl week, but the game is in five days. Ari and I have, have come to the table here with questions we have leading into that game. Um, sort of lingering questions out there. I, mine are a little more football-centric. I'll be curious to see if Ari's are. As well, or if they go sort of bigger picture, but before we get to those, there's a little bit of news as it pertains to Ohio State kind of pertains to Ohio State, it pertains to Urban Meyer and a report from Adam Schefter of ESPN on Sunday that Urban is seriously considering NFL jobs. Uh, there were other reports. Pete Thamel had something out there, Kyle Rowland from Toledo Blade had something out there urban urban is getting it out there through his channels that he might be interested in coaching in the nfl this year so my question to you ari is this if you are trevor lawrence do you stay at clemson an extra year to avoid having to go run quarterback power 45 times for the jacksonville jaguars next year yeah uh is is that the is that the spot (laughs) i think that would be the spot yeah
2: you know um it's a small world but yeah, I mean, do you think that they would run the JT left, JT right? Well, do you think the plays would be called JT left and JT, JT right left. in the pros? Yeah, yeah. he's not. Uh,
1: he's, there's not TL left and TL right yet.
2: Yeah, what a what a small world, huh? Um, you know, I, I I don't know. We we joke about this bill, and I always thought that you know Urban Meyer's brilliance um, as a college football coach was his ability to create an infrastructure in a program and to build a program. And I don't know. Um, he's had a, a wonderful staff in evaluating talent and recruiting and all the things that it takes to accumulate talent in college. I don't know how we would consider him as a, a talent evaluator. Um, and I also don't know how that would, you know, change in the NFL in terms of the GMs, the, the guy making the decisions, the power dynamic, like everything I know about urban Meyer does not seem to f- jive with the NFL. Right. Cause it's like in college, the people who make personnel decisions are working for the coach and in the NFL, the coach is working for the people who are making personnel decisions. So, like, that to me already, unless they do one of those NFL things where they give the head coach ultimate power and that never works out that well. It'll be a disaster. Um, but, like, I also, on the other hand, feel like it makes sense because if he does have that itch for coaching, he doesn't have to get into the same Ohio State world where he is recruiting against them, you know, that world that you've said in the past. And, you know, if he fails, it doesn't change his, his aura of, like, a, a coach that – uh, is one of the best in college football history, and then who doesn't want to live in Jacksonville? You know, you can get some ocean up, ocean front property in Jacksonville for six fifty.
1: You
2: know, <laughs> you can get a, a trailer in downtown Dallas for that much. So, um, you know, I think it, on one hand, I think it would be a really big challenge for him because I don't know. The, I think everybody kind of agreed that he was losing it a little bit as a offensive innovator, offensive mind, play caller, all the things that you know tactically you have to be good at in the NFL in order to win games I think his motivation tactics are perfect for college kids I don't know that they would work with adults um, I don't know how he is from a personnel decision making standpoint mm-hmm. you know maybe he'd go to the NFL and be great because he's just one of those people that is successful and when you're in the same room with him you know he's going to be great but the NFL just does it just doesn't ever really feel like it's something that he could do I, and I don't know why or like he would want to even want to do
1: yeah, I have, like, a million questions about it, if it does happen. Like, number one, how's his health? Number two, like, who's his staff? Um, how are personnel decisions made if he is in the NFL? Like you said, like, you can't give Urban Meyer GM power right away when he gets into the NFL. Um, that's been the undoing of a lot of coaches. But I do think, like, the NFL, like, it's a business. It's um, College football is a business, too, but the NFL is a business more so. And I do think there is something to Urban about, like, building – the right kind of like franchise culture that I'm sure is very appealing to him. And I actually think he might be able to do quite well. Um, It's just a matter of like, can he connect with 30 year old multimillionaires when like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if his, his way of motivating college players translates to motivating pro players. And I guess that's a, Kind of a cliche thing to say when you talk about guys making this jump, but, but with Urban, I think it's real. Um, the one thing R- I Remember do that, that
2: story—not to interrupt you, Bill, but remember that story when Josh Perry said um, he was walking around the building yeah. when he first got there, and Urban came up to him and said, if I were here before, I never would have recruited you? Yeah. I don't think you could say that to a millionaire. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it Just stuff like that. I'm not saying that it wasn't a wonderful, yeah. a, a wonderful tactic. It worked out well. Josh Perry turned out to be an NFL player and a, a pivotal piece of a national champion team. I'm not saying that he was wrong for doing it, but I think if you said that to a rookie who just signed a, a major rookie contract, it might not have the same effect as a motivated 17- or 18-year-old kid who just showed up at Ohio State.
1: Yeah, and like I think Urban wouldn't know that. I, I'm just, I, I'm I'm curious if he can change, and if he can change, then then maybe it can work. And it's all hypotheticals. We, we the part of me just thinks like Urban likes people talking about Urban, and I think that's maybe mostly what this is. Um, but the idea of him going to Jacksonville, going back to Florida, getting Trevor Lawrence, like obviously it's very it's very enticing. So I I could. I mean, see he why loves he,
2: Florida. Don't they have a, yeah. a place down there in that area?
1: Uh, they definitely have a place down there. I don't I don't know where in Florida it is, but yeah, they've been, I think they've been down there more than they've been in Columbus in the last year. Um, the one thing I don't put, I don't put as much stock in now as maybe I would have two years ago when urban stepped down or retired at Ohio state is how he would handle losing. Um, I think it's like a very easy thing to say that like losing in the NFL would would send Urban to the hospital because we've seen how he's handled losing in college. It's different in the NFL. Like losses don't carry the same stakes in, in the NFL as they do in college. You lose once in college, your season's over. You lose once in the NFL. It's like okay, just don't lose eight more times. You might make the playoffs. So um, I think that's different. And not to say that it become easy for Urban to handle losing, but I think I think we as people who know what Urban's health condition is like take that a little too far. Like he knows the deal, he knows he's not going to go seventeen and zero or sixteen and zero when he goes to the NFL. Um, so I don't think that is the part that would keep him from doing it. Um, I just don't know if like if he can ch- change the way he's operated for what thirty years and turn that into something that would make him a successful NFL head coach.
2: I wonder how much the idea that recruiting wouldn't have to be a part of it would a be appealing to him because I know he loves recruiting and and B um, how much that would have an impact on his daily stress. And I know that the um, health conditions are more so about angry in the moment stress over the more so than overall everyday living stress. But I wonder like how much different a head coach's life is in the NFL versus a college coach who doesn't have to fly everywhere, go on private planes, or, you know, be on the phone with a 17-year-old kid all the time. You know, I think that, you know, if you live in the building, it's like living in the Woody Hayes Center for seven months of the year, you know, working out there, personnel, all the stuff that goes on, off-season workouts, everything, and then the only time you're ever out of the city for work is when you're playing eight away games and potentially more in the playoffs. And like, to me, that lifestyle is far more manageable. Maybe not from a stress standpoint because you lose your job very quickly in the NFL. And you know, there's a certain franchise, but I I don't know that coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars, would it be more stressful than being the head coach at Ohio state? I would argue that it would probably be less stressful.
1: I think it's absolutely less stressful. It's less – it's way less of a fishbowl <laughs> than, than Columbus is. It's not really a fishbowl at all. Like, I don't – do you know a Jacksonville Jaguars fan? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know one. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's genuinely a fan of, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, no, I think that's a place you can go. And he can't be – like, he's Urban Meyer, so, like, the attention's going to follow him. But it's not going to be a pressure cooker, I don't think. Plus, like, that team's pretty good. And they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, like – that's a yeah that... yeah they're not they're not the work <laughs> i don't know how they
2: managed to get the first round pick um i don't know why the jets have been trying to win <laughs> but you know whatever i'm not the, i'm not a gm who's making the decisions for this
1: yeah i think that that's not a that's a quick turnaround i think there whoever takes that job getting trevor lawrence i think that's a that's a maybe one or two year we're back in business kind of deal so I, I definitely see why it's enticing um and i guess like people will hear that and Throw out like Nick Saban and, and like Chip Kelly, and like there are success stories of people doing like Pete Carroll did it. Pete Carroll had previous NFL experience, but he did it. It can be done. Like Cliff Kingsbury seems to be doing okay at Arizona. Um, and Nick Saban, like, wasn't people say Nick Saban like failed in the NFL, he was 500. <laughs> I don't know, like, it's a, a league in a league to design to go 500. He went 500 and he left after two years to go back to college, but like his quarterbacks were Gus Farrat and Joey Harrington. If Meyer shows up to the NFL with Trevor Lawrence, I think I might like his chances a little bit. I'm just a little skeptical that he actually wants this, and I think maybe most of this is just, hey, you guys want to talk about me? I'm famous.
2: Did did Jacksonville uh, – do they have the pick now that the Jets won? Is it theirs, or is there still a way that they don't have it?
1: I believe they locked it up, yeah.
2: Yeah, so if they locked up the first pick, like I think that that's a major – you put yourself in a position to have a, a potentially generational talent in the NFL, but also give yourself breathing room because you have a rookie quarterback. I think it's like the perfect scenario for him. And it's in a part of the country that he's played before or, I mean, has, has lived and coached before. Um, I don't know. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. It would surprise. It would have surprised me more if he took the Texas job.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
2: Um, and I think that everybody thought the Texas job made a ton of sense. So, you know, the idea of new challenge, new life, Um, Can return back to being a commentator if things don't go well. Familiar part of town. Trevor Lawrence. Like, I mean, I think a lot of things add up, and it would be a very fascinating way to, like, see how far his brilliance as a head coach can go because I think he'd have to make a lot of personal adjustments. He'd have to change the way he views things, the way he does things, the way he approaches things. Um, But if we know anything about the guy, I mean, he's – I wouldn't bet against him.
1: I wouldn't bet against them either. Jacksonville's got two first round picks, so I didn't know that. Um, I do think like this: Urban's name came up last year, I think, with the Browns, and that like felt like a joke. Um, it's not the first time we've heard Urban's name come up in the NFL. I think the Cowboys have been mentioned before. I, I, I don't know if this feels any more real to me, but but the, I think he can draw a, a fairly straight line to Jacksonville and why he'd want that job for for a lot of reasons. So. I don't know. I don't. Know. Maybe this, maybe that does make it feel feel a little weird. This this whole thing makes me think like the fact that he turned down Texas and now we're talking about this in like a semi serious way makes me think that he's probably done in college, um, unless like Notre Dame came calling. But but I don't. I think with the way the college game is changing, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I think he might have a more difficult time handling the way the college game is changing than he would jumping to the NFL and trying to be successful there. To be honest, so I think he's done with college. It wouldn't shock me if he went to the NFL. <laughs> Um, but let's wrap this up here like 2021 is urban meyer coaching in the nfl what do you think no yeah i think no too i think no too
2: i would rather predict the easy thing and be wrong than try to act like i know that he's itching to get back into the league i think it's more so the flattery of being mentioned than it is the reality of wanting to do that and i guess if you're going to jump to the nfl i will say this is a great opportunity you know, better than going to one of the one of the NFL yeah. teams that is traditionally bad and doesn't have Trevor Lawrence coming in. So, I if he did it, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but predicting that he will be a coach next year, right now, I think is just a hard thing to do for me.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, but I wouldn't be shocked either. But I think he's I think he's on television somewhere next year. Somebody floated out. Uh, I, can't I don't even know if this is true, but I thought it was funny. It was like Urban's contract is up with Fox, so we had Adam Schefter leak the NFL thing to like show that he's buddy-buddy with ESPN <laughs> to, make, to make Fox come to the table with a strong offer. <laughs> I thought that was good. Oh, wait, is All that right. not what happened? I don't know if that's what happened. It'd be, it would be hilarious, given, uh, given Ohio State fans' general disposition toward ESPN, like on behalf of Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer ended up working for ESPN again.
2: Yeah, I also don't know how real that is. But we can get into that after uh, after yeah, the playoffs. We got, over. I don't. <laughs> we a, we do people actually season. like sit there in, in their living room looking and go. I hate ESPN, yeah. or is it just the thing that you complain about when something bad's happening to your program? Like I don't know that that carries yeah. over to every day. Yeah. Everybody watches ESPN. Everybody watches SportsCenter, and I know the ratings have been taking a hit, and some people have some general viewpoints of their programming. But I mean, it's almost like I can't. Yeah, you're like forced to watch it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's where that's the channel the games are on that's yeah. what channel the playoff game is on I don't and when January I turn first. the
2: game on ESPN and go I hate this channel
1: no I don't do that I don't I hate just... any channel channels. I hate I hate uh, Nickelodeon
0: yeah <laughs> bring back Rocco's modern life looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Okay, uh, Ohio State's in the playoff. <laughs> it's playing Clemson on January 1st in the Sugar Bowl. We're, g- we're going to give our picks later this week. Um, I think we're going to talk through maybe some of the things that will probably give you a hint as to where we're leaning, but we'll hold off on giving like actual score predictions and how we think the game is going to go until later in the week. But both of us brought questions to the table about this game. Uh, I've got like three-ish, four-ish and I might tack on another one here as the conversation goes. How many did you come with? You told me to do five, so I did five. I said three to five. I said three to okay. five. All, all
2: right. right. Well, but I five have five.
1: Good. Five is great. Five is great. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's – Uh. oh, wait. i got to tell people to subscribe, subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. Got a big old film study coming later this week. You can read that. Uh, Grace Rayner on Clemson. Pete Sampson on Notre Dame. Aaron Settles on Alabama. we got it all covered. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you signed up. What's your first question?
2: Oh, let me open it up here. Okay, number one, can Justin Fields be the best version of himself? And I wonder if we're going to be this if we're going to have the same questions because some of these were just obvious. But as they pertain to the most um, interesting dynamic of how this play is going to, this game is going to turn out. Like the answer to this question is going to determine whether Ohio State has a chance to win or not. And absolutely, you know, we are one podcast removed from somebody asking us if Justin Fields was broken. Um, his two worst games this year were the two most important games. And it begs the question, can Justin Fields come out uh, in an indoor stadium on turf, hopefully for his sake, healthy from his little wrist uh, injury that he suffered in the Northwestern game and come out and play the best version of himself? And I'm wondering, um, I think that's the number one question of the game, really.
1: Yeah, I I had that just worded a little differently. I just had worded like, where is Justin Fields' head at at the moment? Because I think in those two games that we're talking about, it's so weird, like the Indiana game and Northwestern game sandwiched around the Michigan State game where I thought he was great. Um, it's a little puzzling for me why, why he forced the issue the way he tried to do and, and maybe more so in the Indiana game, but I thought he did a little bit against Northwestern too. But for a guy who looked like super calm all the time and that's one of his best qualities, um, he looked very much not that against Indiana and against Northwestern. And this is a huge stage. This is a much bigger stage in either one of those games. So I don't know. Like, is is that feeling of I got to do everything? I got to do everything. I gotta. I gotta force this. I gotta make every single play. Like, is that going to hinder him again against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl? Because if it does, I, I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, borderline impossible. I think for Ohio State to win this game.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And it's like, is it a mental thing? Is it a, a health thing? Is it? having everybody healthy is it a chris olave thing is everybody going to be back thing um is it a play calling thing or is it just him not playing well and i think it's kind of a um, mixture of all of that and you know in a world where ohio state has uh to try to win a football game against clemson all of those things have to be improved you need olave back you need the play calling to be on par you need a, a positive running game all the things that could possibly go wrong, have to be right in order to beat Clemson. And the same goes for them, too. You know, they're playing in a game where things have to go right, but their guy is Trevor Lawrence. And one of the last questions I've been on the Clemson podcast this week is, is Trevor Lawrence going to be good? And I don't know what that says about Justin Fields because so, so far, um, at least through the first few months of the season or the first few weeks at least, I thought that, like, Justin Fields was invincible. Invisible. Invincible. Invincible. Uh, I made that mistake on Andy's show, too. I said invisible instead of invincible. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Um, And I I don't know what the problem is. I I don't know why we're at that position where Ohio State has achieved a playoff berth, is about to play Clemson the way that everybody already knew they were going to before the season started. And it's just like the major question is, can Justin Fields play well?
1: I will say, um, like, I know we're we're feeling a little uneasy about that. Certainly, Ohio State fans are feeling a a little uneasy about that. Like, if you are... And I'm sure you are if you're listening to this. Like, go back and watch last year's game. I know it's hard to watch last year's game. Maybe just watch some of Justin Fields play and don't watch all the bad parts that make you sad. He played really well, I thought, against Clemson, especially considering that he was injured and he looked pretty decisive. I thought, like one one of his first completions was. Um, Clemson like kind of spun into a different coverage. He dropped back. He looked to his right. Both guys recovered. He came back to the middle and he threw a bullet over the middle of the field to Luke Farrell. And it was like that, 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 that's what it is. Like that rate, like he can do it. So I'm not sitting here thinking that he's not going to be able to do it against Clemson. And I do think on some level, um, I was, I, Andy Staples did a, uh, preview podcast with all of us team writers. And, and the thing I said on there, and I might've said it on this podcast too, is that I think on some level, the, the, pressure of we only have eight games we need to impress everybody we only have eight games i got to play like a madman to win the heisman trophy like it's all gone now and i like i don't know if that was in justin field's head but it would make sense to me if it was on some level and if that's gone now and he can kind of clear that from his mind and just sort of be himself and play and, and be kind of the calm cool and collected guy that we saw i know michigan state's not very good but but like he put the team on his back he didn't do anything extra he did what was what was asked of him, and Ohio State won fifty-two to twelve. And I think if he can find like channel that guy a little bit, Ohio State's going to be in a really good spot.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I <laughs> I think it's crazy. But do you think he business. can get there? Do you like? Yeah. What's your confidence? I mean, I've level seen him do it. So why yeah. would I? Why I don't know that. Um, I don't think that he'd be able to. I don't know. The thing about it is, is what do you think is the reason for the struggles? Do you think it's a combination of all those things? Is there a specific thing in that dynamic that makes you think this guy is in trouble um, or this guy is having trouble because of this, or is it a combination of all those things? Uh,
1: I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, I do think like I had, a, I had like an add on what well, reason I said I had four ish questions was where's Justin Fields headed, And then I tacked onto that, like how can Ryan day help him? And I, I, I do think some of it's play calling. Um, although, It's kind of a weird thing. Like when you watch a game live, you're like you're pulling your hair, going like What are they doing?" And then you watch it on the replay, and you're in a different frame of mind. You're like, "Okay, some of this makes sense." Like I thought some of the things we said coming out of the Northwestern game in terms of being too aggressive throwing the ball, I feel a little differently about having rewatched it again. But I still think the point remains that Ryan Day can do a little more to help Justin Fields. And like, there's a million things that go into that, and I'm hoping to ask Ryan Day about some of that um, later on Monday when he has his media availability. But it's quicker passing game. Um, I think it's more tempo. It's less like check-with-me stuff when Justin Fields is looking to the sideline and Ryan Day is giving him a play and then the defense is changing their call. Then like you're never sort of on, on sync. And, and Justin struggles a lot, I think, when he just relies too heavily on what he sees before the snap and when it changes after the snap, he, he gets hesitant. Um, so anything you can do to help him in those moments, because Clemson's going to do a lot of the same stuff, I, I think can can help get him out of this this mode where he's just holding onto the ball too long and, and can't figure out what to do with it. But I also think getting Chris Olave back helps that too. And Gene Smith tweeted out a photo from practice on Sunday, and if you zoomed in real tight, you could see Chris Olave on there. Um, so it seems like he's at the very least back at practice, and if he's back at practice, I would, I would assume that means he's going to play um, in the sugar bowl the other guys who are out i'm not sure but chris olave getting back would be huge for justin fields confidence he's, he's just a safety valve like you know that he's going to run the right route for the most part um i know saying that going into this game is, is a little hypocritical but um we know what chris olave is and, and i think not having him against northwestern threw justin fields off his game a little bit so combine all those things together i, th- I think justin can be in a better headspace against clemson um and he needs to be like in, this needs to be the best game he's ever played it needs to be the best game ryan day's ever called um I think both of them are capable of getting there, but they need to show themselves to be a little more put together than they were in the, in the two toughest games Ohio State played this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, two, two sc- I mean, they're a two-score underdog right now, and I don't know if that has been the case ever in the last five, six years. Mm. I can't remember the last time. Somebody probably knows this off the top of their head, but I can't remember the last time. I mean, they've only been an underdog probably five times in the last seven years.
1: But, they were uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I think they were like an 11-point underdog. Yeah. But that might be – that might. I don't even know how often they've been an underdog since then. Maybe – I mean, I think last year there was they like a They were an underdog against Clemson, weren't they? But it was like a point last year, I yeah. think. Yeah, 2016. At, I'm looking to see what that spread was.
2: Um, yeah. And also, the Notre Dame, I don't know what it opened at, but I just saw it's 20, and that's crazy to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ohio and State I wouldn't a, touch it. Ohio State was a favorite in 2016. Um. 3 point favorite they opened and then lost the was a 31 nothing. Yeah.
2: You know yeah. the score. Yeah.
1: I get confused <laughs> if it was 31 or 36. That's a game I've not gone back <laughs> and watched multiple times. Yeah. What's what's the point? Uh okay. Uh let's move on to another question. I'll I'll pull one out of mine here. Out of the hat. Um, pull one out yeah. of the hat. And I'm sure you have someone something along these lines too if not worded exactly the same way. Was what we saw from Trey Sermon in the run game real? My number two is who is the real Trey Sermon because I like him. <laughs> <going out.
2: laughs> well, the real Trey Sermon,
1: please stand up. <laughs> that was a head, that was a headline uh, for a story I wrote over the I weekend know. about the real Trey Sermon. The maybe that's why that was in my head. Six, go read the story. Um, I think there's probably some middle ground between 335
2: yards and 50, right. 40. Right. Right. Um, but I think that if he's a 125 yard or maybe 140 yard back, who turns, I don't need to see a home run, and I know that I've been somebody what? who what. <laughs> I don't need to see him hit an 80-yard run in order it would be terrible if he broke the <laughs> the plane and he everybody was behind him and he got caught like we've yeah. seen in the past. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't need to see him run through a hole like 85 yards through the heart of the south for me to think that he's having an effective game. If if you said Landis you can if you let me ask you this question this way. It's a podcast we're having fun. Let's do it. If I said, Landis, you can have an 85-yard touchdown run from Trey Sermon where he runs up the middle of the field and doesn't get touched by anybody and outlasts the entire defense, or you can have the Trey Sermon that can consistently turn two-yard gains into six-and-a-half-yard gains, which one would you take going into the game? Second guy If you were the head coach of Ohio
1: State. Second guy all day. All day, right? Yeah.
2: And that's my point. Obviously, 85 yards would be great. (laughs) 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 85-yard touchdown, yeah, of course. Those are good for the team that you want? You know? Yeah. But I think that we haven't seen Trey Sermon, and maybe we got some glimpses of it a little bit in earlier games sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the Trey Sermon that we watched finish runs, the guy that refused to go down, the guy that turned two yards into seven yards, that guy in the Northwestern game was brand new to me. And I don't know. Northwestern supposedly has a very good defense, and he did that against a very good defense. Now, I don't think Northwestern's defense can hold a candle to Clemson's defense. It's cool statistically, but it ain't Clemson. If we can get that guy, and that's the person that shows up for Ohio State, I think Ohio State has a chance to win the football game. But I don't know how realistic it is for me to think that he could even duplicate 65% of that again because I'm not, I wasn't sure he was able to do it the first time. So to go out and do it against Clemson now, it's just like – that's a bonus. That can't be an expectation. I've been I, I've been screaming all year. Ohio State's going to lose in the playoff because they don't have a running back, and like that might happen. Still, I don't think that we're that that we're at a place right now where we could say that Ohio State's out of the woods.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't think so either. I think um, Northwestern was inviting Ohio State to run the ball, and Ohio State ran the ball. Um, I don't – Clemson is not going to invite Ohio State to run the ball. Clemson's defensive line is is much better than Northwestern's. And it's kind of funny, like, watching g- watching these games over the last couple of days of Clemson. Um, Notre Dame ran the ball on them the first time, but, like, they're missing Tyler Davis, their defensive tackle, and they're missing James Skowski, their linebacker. When those two are back, their run defense is very different. But when you watch their line play, like, these guys just flash. Like, Tyler Davis flashes – and Brian Brzee flashes, and Miles Murphy flashes. And, like, Tyler Davis was, I think, like a four-star guy, but it's like we've talked about this before, how Clemson Clemson has been a national title contender for the last four or five years, but they've only started recruiting, like, one in the last two years. And, like, some of these five-star guys are showing up now, um, and a lot of them are really young. Like, Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee are, are true freshmen, and, like, they're all over the place when you watch, watch Clemson's tape. So it's a much – much stiffer challenge for ohio state's offensive line to move these guys in the same way they were moving northwestern's guys and i don't think 331 is real because 331 is like never real for anybody at least consistently but i do think a run game that's getting what you're talking about getting four five six yards a chunk and and maybe most importantly like setting up ohio state's play action passing game in a, in a way that's really effective because i feel like that suffered a little bit the last two or three games, and and part of that, I think, is personnel losses. But when I've watched Notre Dame <clears throat> against Clemson, Boston College against Clemson earlier this year, I thought the play-action passing game was really effective because Clemson's really aggressive triggering downhill against the run, and you can get some favorable matchups on on safeties um, down the field with guys like Garrett Wilson and, and your tight ends. So I think Trey Sermon in this run game is, is important because I, I don't think – Ohio State's, I don't think, just going to be able to like spread it out four wide and drop back Justin Fields and chuck it all over the field. I just, I just don't think that happens in this game. But I do think if you can run the ball effectively and build a play-action passing game that at times this year has looked deadly off of that, I think that's the recipe for Ohio State to put some points up on Clemson. So that, like, Justin Fields is the most important guy, but whatever this run game does is, is, is number two behind that, I think. And I do think that it's – I think it's legitimate – I don't. I'm not expecting to, Trey Sermon to go out and be like Zeke Elliott was in the playoff, but I think Trey Sermon might be able to go for like, I don't know, 150 average, f- four or five, six yards a carry. What's um, the
2: over under you're setting for him?
1: Rushing yards. Uh, Dobbin's had like 170 last year, but like half of that was on two runs. Didn't um, he like
2: have over 120 yards in the first quarter last year?
1: Yeah, but he had. I think he had two 60 yard runs, and then. Yeah. And then he, I think he only had one other run for double-digit yards. He was actually it was kind of a weird game for him. Um, I think Trey Sermon's game will look different. My over/under would be like yeah, like one f- one forty, maybe for him. Under. You think he's under one yes. forty?
2: And I think he to have a tremendous game under one forty. Yeah. There's no way. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know unless he breaks off a seventy-yard run, he ain't getting one forty. Yeah. I he mean, three hundred and fifty yards rushing the entire year going into the last game, like.
1: Yeah, he had 100 yards. He had 100 yards against Michigan State. Um, one really long run. I, I mean, know, 140 like against Clemson
2: run. is a tremendous game. Yeah. Like, that's Williams
1: like... had 123 in the first, uh, Notre Dame game. I think that might have been the most they gave up all year. Clemson's run defense is, is, is pretty good. Um, it's not, I don't know if it's the best Ohio State's played, but it's pretty good. Um, 140 to be a lot. I think I, I agree with that. If he's I over one forty. I
2: think that's a little bit high for the over under number. I'm not saying he can't do it, but like if you're trying to create something that would make me think about taking it over, I think you're probably twenty five or thirty yards off. Like I think I might like put it at like one hundred four or something.
1: Hmm. Yeah, one hundred four seems low to me.
2: Yeah. Then maybe the real answer is somewhere in the one one fifteen to 125 I guess it depends range. on how many. Know. Like
1: how? how it's, I guess it depends on how many carries you think he's going to get. How much do you think Master Teague is going to play?
2: And then how much do you think that his ball carrying totals were impacted by Master Teague getting injured?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think significant. I think he had twenty nine carries in that game because Master Teague was injured. But like, no offense to Master Teague. Like, Trey Sermon was doing stuff that Master Teague hasn't done all year, so yeah. <laughs> I think Trey Sermon should get 20 carries in this game, at least. I'm going to see right now, while you're
2: talking, whether or not there's props out there. Oh, prop bets for, uh, for yeah. Trey Sermon? Yeah, I just want around. to
1: see what it is, yeah. Um, cause my- it's funny to me that you think 140 is high, because like in my head that seemed pretty fair, but now you have me second-guessing. Like, 104 to me seems low, um, especially if he's going to get a 20 carry. Like, if he's getting 20 carries, I think 104 is very low. If he has twenty carries, that means he's averaging five point something yards
2: a carry at one hundred four.
1: Yeah, I mean that's no, a I, tremendous yeah, football game. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's I think one hundred four is an okay football game. I wouldn't say that's a tremendous football game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean against I think it in also the depends on who, who they're, they're playing and depends on what. it's like in my, in my head it's, five, it's the two two and a seven yard gain carries, not like chunk plays.
1: If it's five yards every time. Then that's a good game if it's like one yard, two yards, three yards, twelve yards, two yards, three yards, eleven like that. That's the kind of game I think you want to avoid.
2: Yeah, one um, yard, two yard, three yard, seventeen yard, one mm-hmm. yard, two yard, three yard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Clemson,
1: I have this written here. Clemson is eleventh in the country in stuff rate, run sit behind the line of scrimmage. Ohio State's fifth in the country in stuff rate, um, so they're pretty good at getting their they're getting their guy to the line of scrimmage at least um ohio state's number two in the country in line yards like they're it's kind of weird for as much as we've talked about this run game all year like it ended up being pretty good and it got a huge stat boost from that northwestern game but even leading into that it was pretty good they were the leading rushing team among power five programs coming into northwestern game in yards per game so like it's been a strength for them that they had not really relied on in a significant way until northwestern and i think maybe they might rely on it against clemson I think they might have to.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's like maybe as we all got so enamored with how great Ohio State was at passing the football, um, maybe their true identity to winning this football game is the same as the identity that it took for them to win a national championship six years ago, and that's running the football. Yeah, and I don't know. Do we? Do I think that kind of bleeds into my next question? If you want me to transition to it, let's do it. Will Ryan Days? Uh, game that he calls help us erase the northwestern game from our brains like will he call a good enough game or a great game that gives him back the offensive genius guru type and I think part of that reason I think that bleeds into it is will he trust himself to rely on the foot on the running game or do you think that in his brain that with the talent that he has at receiver and the quarterback that he has that Ohio State has to win this game through the air
0: Learn more at marines.com
1: That's a really good question. Um, I I don't think like I don't think he'll check his aggression in any kind of significant way but I do think maybe he can channel it a little differently. It's another question I want to ask him like why like does aggression equate to throwing the ball and if it does in your mind why um, because I think that's an interesting thing to explore with him. I, I kind of do have confidence that he's going to call a good game. I thought he called a good game last year against this team. Um, I think he had a little more time to prepare than he, than he does right now. But, like, let's be honest. Like, he's been thinking about Clemson all year. He's been thinking about Clemson since they got off the field last year. So I don't really have much of a doubt that he's going to have a good plan and, and put Justin Fields in some better spots. And I, I, I do think this, like, Clemson's secondary is pretty good. Um, Darian Kendrick is going to be a first-round corner. Um, Nolan Turner is like a really he's a veteran like smart kind of savvy safety who gets guys like he's like very similar to Jordan Fuller I think um, maybe a little less athletic but so they have some good players back there and, and they have young corners too who were who are on, the, on the up they have not seen guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson um, at least from what I've watched like they didn't play North Carolina this year um, like the best offense I think they played is probably Notre Dame's and Notre Dame's like we're going to run the ball and we have 19 tight ends on the field um, so this is going to be something different for them. So they, they might have a, a matchup advantage there that maybe I'm not on board with as I should be at the moment. And if they get on the field and that's the case, then I can see Ohio state throwing the ball quite a bit, but I do think that they're going to try to establish a physicality here, run the ball, control the game, um, sort of play it on their terms and, and, and frankly, keep the ball away from Trevor Lawrence if, if they can, um. And I think Ryan Day knows all that. So I I have a little bit of faith in him, I think, based off how he called a game last year, that he's going to call a good game this week.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I think that it's funny how everybody went from Ryan Day is the best play caller I've ever seen to
0: what are you doing?
2: And then that was the end of it. And, you know, I guess, like as you said, you rewatch the game. Maybe he does things a little bit better uh, than you thought he did. But I do think that it's interesting that, It took him an entire half to realize that he could take whatever he wanted on the ground. And when you're playing against Clemson, if there's an opening to take something, you can't wait a half to do it. I mean, I I think that everything has to be perfect for Ohio State to win this football game. Uh, Game plan, play calling, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, everybody. It's going to take a collective effort to win this game. And, you know, against Northwestern, you can have the luxury of being late to the draw on something. But I don't think that that luxury exists against Clemson.
1: Yeah, you can't can't have drives stall out because you're calling head scratchers like in the red zone or because you're pulling trick plays out of your bag that you've never run before um and 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 ending drives before they begin and then giving the ball back to trevor lawrence on a short field and go watch him score like that's that doesn't the trick plays were weird i think you just do them so it gives clemson like i said before something to think about although i think that's like wasted energy um I don't think he'll pull out a bunch of trick plays. His trick play in the Fiesta Bowl last year was a, a fake check with me walk up and quarterback sneak it. So like I'm good with that trick play. That's a, that was not, a brilliant trick play. <laughs> let's not uh, let's not do the double pass with Garrett Wilson and, and Julian Fleming again, or, or yeah. that weird uh, that weird play action screen, whatever it was. With Julian not to mention let's, that the let's team isn't playing
2: more than fast enough to get to you
1: you know yeah I do the the speed element is interesting I want I think Ohio State might have a little more speed on offense than uh, Clemson has on defense um, I don't know I don't I'm gonna say it and it's taken
2: it. me 40 minutes to say it and I'm gonna whisper it to you okay Ohio State has better football players on their team than Clemson does.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's true. They've recruited at a higher level more consistently for longer. Um, Clemson develops players like, I mean, you've written about that a yeah. lot. They develop yeah, players of better, course. better than anybody, but. And they have Trevor like, Lawrence. And they have Trevor <laughs> Lawrence. They, they have the best player. <laughs> but they have I the best overall, player
2: and their running back's legit.
1: Yeah, I think overall Ohio State might be a little more talented, but Clemson has the best player at the most important position, and that even things out tremendously.
2: I know, but the second place guy isn't. It's it's not the difference between Fitzmagic and Aaron Rodgers here. I mean, you know, he's got they've got the best player in college football, and Ohio State's got the second best player in college football.
1: Yeah. I think it's possible. I don't know if, if I'm ready to go there yet, based off how Fields is played. But I definitely yeah. see myself getting there after the game. On, on I just track.
2: like how do you how do you reverse it? I said that I thought that Justin Fields might be the best player in college football a month ago. Now I can't I can't go back and be like he's number eight now.
1: Yeah, no, I like I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I said, I'm pot committed on that one. I said that uh, that Justin Fields is going to be the number one quarterback taken in the draft uh, <laughs> next spring, and I'm going to be wrong on that. He might be the third quarterback taken in the draft. Um, so we'll see about that. Okay, uh, I have my last question here. It was about Trevor Lawrence, and uh, him running the ball scares me a little bit if I'm Ohio State because they've just not seen much of that um, in the last few weeks. At least – oh, I guess I guess I shouldn't say that. They've seen it, but not from a guy like this. Um, so how do they – my question is, like, how do they contend with it? Like, what, what personnel groupings do they use? What kind of scheme do they use? Did they use more too high safeties like they tried to do last year? to disastrous results in some cases like how much of an emphasis do you think stopping trevor lawrence running the ball is for ohio state in this game you're trying to bring up nightmares from last year he's a really good runner
2: how far was that touchdown run last year was it like 65 yards i think so yeah i think that's right yeah i mean i don't know if you think about him as a dual threat, but he's clearly good enough to beat you with his legs he beat ohio state with his legs last year uh, he ran
1: all over Notre Dame in the in the ACC Championship too. Like it's it's the thing, it's a it's another thing I want to ask about. It's like a fascinating dynamic in this game. Tony Elliott and and Dabo Swinney have absolutely no problem whatsoever unleashing Justin or Trevor Lawrence's legs when it comes time to win a championship. And I think Ohio State and it's a very small sample size has been a little hesitant to do that with Justin Fields. And Justin was hurt last year too, so that matters. So the last matters as game well. of the
2: year, Bill. You can't hold anything can't back hold now. Anything
1: back. I heard Dan <laughs> Fouts said that one time.
2: Yes.
1: Um, but it's like he's it's not it's not Trevor Lawrence can scramble. I think he probably scrambles the throw a little more than he scrambles to to run. But they have like a lot of designed quarterback run game in their offense. I think they have more designed quarterback run game in their offense than Ohio State does right now, which is kind of crazy when you think about the skill sets of, of both these guys. And I don't know. Like, Travis Etienne is great, but he's been more of a receiver this year than he has been, like, a consistent running threat. Like, the consistent running threat, from what I've seen, has been much more Trevor Lawrence than it has been Travis Etienne, which is it's kind of a weird thing. That blows my mind. And I don't know – one, I don't know if Baron Browning is going to play in this game, and if he doesn't, I think that's a big loss, even though Justin Hilliard played well um, against Northwestern. And two, it's like, are they going to play – like, Josh Proctor, I think, is a free safety are they gonna play two safeties? And if they do play two safeties, who's the other safety? Are you gonna put Marcus Hooker out there who struggled with this very thing we're talking about? Or are you gonna put Ronnie Hickman or Lathan Ransom out there who've like not played very much but have looked good when they have? Like I, I would put one of those young guys out there, but if they're gonna put Proctor and Hooker out there, I don't know, I'm a little scared about Landis. what Trevor Lawrence might do in the run game.
2: My next question is Are you ready? Because it's like funny, because you, you, you said on two different occasions there, um, or the two separate things of can they hold Trevor Lawrence to um, X amount of yards or can they stop him from being a threat? And then also, are, is their secondary going to be able to stop anybody? And yeah. like Clemson's offense, I don't know, would you say it's better or worse than last year's? Um, wow. They don't have the receiver talent that they had last year, right. for sure, right? So I think yeah. that that kind of makes you feel a little bit better, but <laughs> – Travis Etiennes a monster but anyway my question is can Ohio State hold Clemson to less than 31 points
1: yeah I think they can I think they could. yeah I think they could because I think they can win the game if they I think that is my magic number I think it's a really good magic number I think I think the game is I, I don't know how you define a shootout but I think this game is like played in the 30s um and that to me to me is not really a shootout but it's approaching it but I think thirty one not in 2020. <clears throat> yeah. Not in 2021. Yeah. 20. Yeah. All right. It's 2021. can't wait. Um, I think 31 is a really good number. I do. I do think they can hold them to 31. The over um, under 66. And a yeah. Half. Clemson is not, it's, they're not as good at receiver as they were last year. They have four new offensive line starters that they're Travis. Etienne is great. I think Travis Etienne is probably the best running back in the country, or maybe it's Najee Harris. Um, but the running attack to this point has not been something that's been like consistent. And I think that's more about the line than it is about ETN. So it's like, if you can keep Lawrence boxed in as a runner, and I think like you want to play soft coverage and rally and tackle and then wall up in the red zone, it's like, like what Northwestern was doing. Um, then I think that's a recipe to hold Clemson under 31. Last year they did it, but it was like they were just in Trevor Lawrence's face a lot and made him uncomfortable and hit him really hard every time they got the opportunity. I don't know if this defense is built similarly to to do that same thing, but I do think they can like try to put an umbrella over all this and then just try to wall up on the red zone with a pretty good defensive line. Um, so I think it's possible. I think it's really hard, but yeah, I think it's possible they can hold him under 31. Yeah, I mean, that's...
2: What would that game have to look like? Uh, slow start for Clemson, maybe a few touchdowns in the middle quarters, uh, and then, you know, you're both of the 20s in the, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then you just got to do your best to outlast them to 32 or 33. Like Yeah. I don't know. Like If they wins the game, too. I think it's like 35-31, and that puts you right on the number.
1: Yeah. I think it's about limiting possessions if you can, too, and that goes back to running the ball. Um it's funny I was watching the Virginia Tech game and Virginia, like I don't think Ohio State would will do this but it would I, I thought it was kind of effective um Virginia Tech was huddling on every play and like not breaking the huddle until there was like 10 seconds left on the play clock and then going up to the line and snapping it immediately so like giving Brent Venables no like major personnel keys no alignment keys, just, like, huddling up last minute, snap the ball, let's go. And they move the ball fairly well for a little bit, but they're just not not talented enough to do it consistently. Um, I wonder, like, on one hand, I think Ohio State should play tempo. But on the other hand, I wonder, like, if they do that, like, really, like, take the air out of the game and just play super slow, if they can do something like that, too, and keep the ball away from Trevor Lawrence.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the number one game plan, I guess, for Ohio State would be to leave as little time for Trevor Lawrence to operate as possible. But on the other hand, too, it's just like they're not Illinois. <laughs> you yeah, know? no, they and, can score in two plays. Yeah, they can score two. <laughs> so uh, you know, you 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 know, it's like funny because it's like that keep away in college basketball that Northwestern always does, right? Where they yeah. you know toss the ball around the perimeter for thirty seconds and then try to score with seven seconds left on the shot clock over and over again to limit possessions. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I just like I think there's some personnel just issues that Ohio State has in the secondary. I think the less Trevor Lawrence has the ball, the better but I also don't think that Ohio State can play the game like that. That's not who they are. And I think like changing who you are is a disa- is a recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um my two biggest questions for Ohio State defensively, like believe it or not, are actually not like really secondary coverage based. It's it's trying to box in Trevor Lawrence running the ball and how you handle Travis Etienne as a receiver cuz Etienne has I think the second or third most receiving yards in the country for a running back. Like he, he's their third leading receiver this year. He's got like 44 receptions, um, and when he gets in space, he's an animal. And if there's no Brown Browning, I think that becomes more difficult. It puts a lot on Pete Werner, who I think might draw ETN and man coverage quite a bit. Um, so those are the two things for me. It's not so like Clemson's receivers are, are still good, even though they're a little short-handed, and they might get a couple guys back if Joe and Goddard or Frank Gladson play. But I think it's much more about Lawrence running the ball and ETN as a receiver and how Ohio State handles both those things. Yep. Um, so I, I'm I, we hit on all of my questions. Do you have any other questions um, out I've there? I've got like six up? more questions that yeah. I could just come up with. Let me ask yeah. you
2: this, and I guess we can just kind of do a speed round if you want. Does revenge factor, Dabo blabbing his mouth, um, all the other things that are happening, play any impact on this game to you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Like on the um, – I mean it's added motivation for Ohio State, I guess, to wanna to wanna shut them up. Like I don't I don't think Ohio State had plenty of motivation before that. I think it makes the game fun. Like I, I like it. Um I think we could all stand to be a little less serious about <laughs> covering college football. Um and and Dabo seems to be doing that, um, even though he's being a little contradictory when he does it. Um so I think it gives Ohio State a little bit more of an edge. I don't know if it's the it's it's the more of an edge that's gonna mean the difference between a win and a loss, but I think it matters a little bit. Depending on who Ohio State gets back, will they be
2: able to manage uh, blitzes on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, they handled it pretty well last year. Um, all their guys are back. I mean, unless they lose somebody between now and the game, which I guess is possible. But all the guys are back against Northwestern. If they're all back um, on, for Friday, I think they're okay. Um, and they like given, given what – Brent Venables does. I thought I thought that group held out pretty well last year and I think they're a little better this year than they were last year.
2: Yep. Is Mayan Williams gonna play a lot if if uh
1: Um if Master King can't, can't go? No. A lot, no. I think he might get a touch or two. Like if Trey Sermon busts a long one and then like needs to take a two play breather, I think he might see Mayan Williams. Um it is interesting to me that Mayan Williams was the guy who got on the field like before Steel Chambers did, so like I think he's moved up the depth chart uh, against Northwestern, but no. I think if Master T can't go, Trey Sermon's getting like t- between 25 and 30 carries.
2: Is Ohio State's pass rush good enough to stop Clemson's offense from getting into a groove?
1: I don't know. It's like uh, they they're, they generate pressure well, but they don't get home enough. And and Trevor Lawrence, I don't think, is the kind of guy that's going to be phased just by having someone in his face. I think you need to hit him. Um, and they hit him a lot last year, and I think it mattered. If they're not going to hit him, then, then I, I think I'd answer no to that question.
2: Okay, and the last one. Do you think that Ohio State could press because of the revenge factor? Because of the desire to want to win uh, this football game with this team, um, all the trash talking beforehand, and then, of course, um, just Ryan Day's competitiveness to finally legitimize himself as a legit top five coach because you need to win a game like this to do it. Like, is there pressing and play calling? Is, and I know that you mentioned this with Justin Fields in the Heisman race. Is there pressing to, you know, to beat Trevor Lawrence if you're head to head? Like, there's a lot of reasons I think Ohio State could press in this game.
1: Uh I think they're not going to press. I think getting here after after how weird this season was was like a major like exhale. And now they're here and I th- no, I, I mean I get, they could press, but I don't I don't think they're going to. Cuz I think there's just a lot of reasons why you could see them doing it, which I think is yeah. concerning if you're an Ohio State fan. Sure, sure. I think you could say the same about Clemson. Like Clemson Clemson's, Clemson's got to get back to the national title game. They lost to LSU last year. Um, like their motivations are different, it's like Trevor Lawrence's last game. It's like, you're going to, on some level, levels, like you're only going to win one national title with that guy. Um, so I, I think there's, there's stuff there in Clemson side as well. There's more in Ohio state side, but
2: if I would have told you in January of 2015, when Ohio state was on their run on the way to beating Oregon, that they would not win another playoff game till 2021, would you have been like, you're crazy? Yeah. I think it's crazy that it's gone with the way that this team is built, with the players on this team, the coaching staff, even the coaching change, everything that's gone on here, that they haven't won a game in the playoffs since then blows my mind. It's pretty wild. And like they're in a a pretty big danger scenario to have to go another year without it and to start over again. And, you know, I know that this comes in waves with recruiting classes and the 2017-18 wave is kind of on the back end now. And then you're getting the the other wave of the 2021 and 2020 classes are brewing up. So, like, I understand it it ebbs and flows a little bit. But I think Ohio State is in a position where, as the number three team in the country, I would say, uh, from a positioning standpoint, in a unique scenario, to have to legitimize itself. And, like, you can go every single year. I already feel like they're the most underachieving program in college football. doesn't mean they're not a great program. But what they've had and what the results were don't match. And I think if you go another year, that might put you in a position to, to maybe go another two years. Because I don't know if I would pick Ohio State to win a playoff game with C.J. Stroud as their quarterback. Maybe they could do it. not saying they can't. But as you try to, like – and I know this is an impossible game to play. We've had millions of podcasts of what is 2029 going to look like. And yeah. that's fun. And stuff happens. And then the team is completely different in two months. Nobody knew that Justin Fields was going to be on the team until, you know, an hour before he showed up. Stuff changes. But I don't know. Like this is a pretty important window for Ohio State to
1: me. Yeah, there's a there is there is narrative associated with this game for sure, um, and it's not just getting revenge on Clemson. It's like you're standing in the sport because it is it is it is rather crazy that considering where they were in 14, everyone that came back in 15, and here we are. Was it five years later, six years later, um, and they have not won a playoff game since they won the national title. And one of those losses was a thirty-one nothing rout. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, they've and only they played what? How many? They played twice since that, They played right? two. Yeah. yeah, they played Clemson twice, got shut out, and like they played.
2: And they should have. They won, played well. They year. played well
1: last year. They probably yeah. should have won the game last year, and they didn't. They didn't win it. So it's not like they've been run off the field and looked like they haven't belonged. But, um, like Oklahoma is a little bit of a joke, right? In the in the playoff conversation, because everyone just assumes they're going to get there and get their ass kicked. It's like. Ohio State, I don't think, is is there. But if you go again and you lose again in the semifinals, especially if it's not competitive, I think you start trending toward a similar direction, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think part of the reason why people viewed Clemson as a – I mean, uh, Oklahoma as a joke, quote-unquote, is because they get their butts kicked most of the time. And, like, Ohio State last year probably earned everybody's respect in terms of belonging. It just was a bad break for them. But, like, seven-and-a-half-point underdog is a pretty large underdog.
1: Yeah, for a game it's like not. This. It's
2: not twenty points, but it's. Uh, yeah, it's not twenty, but it's it's not. It's not great, Bob.
1: I mean, it's not great after last. And, we, year and we'll was, get to our picks
2: out. later on in the week, but, you know, I think that it's crazy. I think Ohio State has a chance and could win this football game.
1: I think it's crazy how nobody thinks it's possible. I think part of that. I think part of that's a misread, and we can talk about that later when we give our picks. I think part of it's a mystery; people aren't sure what to make of Ohio State. Like no one, people might think they have fully formed views of Ohio State. They don't, um, but I think that's influencing like the general tenor around what the outcome of this game is going to be. Yeah. We know much more about what Clemson is, and we don't really know much at all about what Ohio State is. Yeah, um, which maybe, maybe we'll, we'll midnight or whatever it is, two o'clock in the morning next Saturday, um, we'll have a pretty clear picture, I think. But and it could, I mean, it could go the way that that people think it's going to go, and Ohio State doesn't doesn't look up to the task, but yeah. Um, it's not going to surprise me if it's the other way because I think Ohio State's really good. So all right, we'll give our picks later in the week. We'll wrap up there. Uh new show will be on Wednesday. We'll have our game picks. Um Debo Swinney's talking right now. He says he thinks he can run for mayor of Michigan. So I'm gonna leave this podcast and jump on uh, jump on his his Zoom call. And uh Ryan Day will talk later on Monday. Uh it's Clemson offense or sorry, Clemson defense and Ohio State offense on Monday, and then the inverse on on Tuesday. So Check uh, The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4 6. Twitter, the real time uh, feed on the athletic page. We'll have updates of all that stuff over the next couple days. Ohio State and Clemson, Friday in New Orleans. We'll talk to you guys later in the week.